Welcome to Scrolling to Death. Today I have Sam Chapman here with me. We're both in Southern California. We survived this week's rainstorm. Thank you for being here, Sam. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Of course. So a little bit about Sam that I've recently learned. You are a very accomplished businessman. You're an author. You've founded and led several companies, one of which was rated number one fastest growing company in the nation. Things were going really well for your family. Your wife, Dr. Laura Berman, is a world-renowned therapist and author. She regularly appears on Good Morning America and The Oprah Show and Dr. Oz. But three years ago, yesterday actually, uh, your world came crashing down. And can you please tell us what happened on February 7th of 2021? Right. So it was Super Bowl Sunday and it was during the lockdown. So we thought for sure our kids were safe. This was the one benefit to being locked down is that they weren't getting in trouble. But it turns out that they not only went to school together online, but they got in trouble together online and moved as a pack, discovered new things, spending so many hours uh, online. They're digital natives and we're not. Turns out that before that day, a dealer had reached out to our son on Snapchat and Mm -hmm. offered him something for free off of a colorful drug menu and delivered it to our house like a pizza at night after we were asleep. And he didn't have to go any further than our front yard to get what killed him. And so that day, uh, our youngest boy found his brother dead on the floor, screamed for us. And we ran in and tried to resuscitate my son and failed. And the EMT showed up and they tried and failed. And then we were faced with the fact that there was nothing we could do and the coroner came and Laura, my wife, went on her Instagram to warn our uh, community about this drug dealer. And then we asked the police to, you know, let's let's contact him again and, and, and have him come over to the house mm-hmm. now and you can arrest him. And they said, that's not how we do it. We said, well, then call Snapchat and find out who it is. And they said that they don't bother calling anymore because Snapchat doesn't help the Santa Monica police. And Snapchat's located in Santa Monica, by the way. That's where their headquarters are. They said they'd be back in three months when the toxicology report came back to find out if it really was a, a poisoning or or an overdose, you know, if it was some drug or if it was something unintended, like a fentanyl poisoning. And that's really important distinction for the folks out there, is that there's a big difference between being addicted to fentanyl and overdosing on it, and Mm -hmm. being poisoned and not intending to take fentanyl. Uh, So we call that fentanyl poisoning. And most of the deaths from fentanyl around the country are, in fact, fentanyl poisonings, although once you have it, the drug, you're addicted. So if you survive, you become an addict, a horrible catch-22. The media picked up my wife's Instagram post, and we decided to Mm -hmm. go public and try and warn other parents because at the time, lots of people, especially us, didn't know that Snapchat could be dangerous. No one knew about fentanyl, you know, what that was. We thought we should get out there and warn people. And we did. And as the way things work, uh, you're here in Southern California. If you get some attention, then the police pay attention. And so 
two days later, instead of three months later, the detective showed up and treated it like the murder scene that they should have and started collecting evidence and took his technology away and all the things you would do to investigate. And the Santa Monica police later said that they learned on us that from now on, when they walk in and someone uh, is, is dead without explanation, that they have to treat it as if it's a murder scene instead of an overdose because of the prevalence of fentanyl poisoning these days. Okay, Sam, thank you for sharing that story. I'm so, so sorry that that happened to your family. I want to touch on the fact of, about SNAP not being cooperative. I sat in the courtroom with um, Amy Neville and a few other parents recently in LA and listened to their attorneys explain how cooperative they are with the police in every case that they can be and blaming law enforcement for not following the proper procedures to getting the information from Snapchat and many other things. Also learned through Amy Neville that they will be cooperative once PR, once they get bad PR, right? They'll, they'll give it over if it's going to give them a bad look. So is this what you're hearing now through your experience and all the other stories that are similar to yours? Well, we actually spoke to Evan Spiegel, the CEO of Snap Inc. Okay. And told him that uh, Snapchat doesn't respond to parents' valid subpoenas. And he said that area was understaffed and he would look into it. And a few weeks later, they announced that they were going to staff up in that area and uh, start publishing how often or how soon they respond to subpoenas on average and try and create an industry-leading standard you know, treated it like every PR fix that they do that has virtually no effect. And mm -hmm. the idea that this is even an issue that so many people are dying on the platform that they can't even handle all the subpoenas speaks for itself, right? Right. I'm part of this lawsuit. And the reason that we are succeeding in the lawsuit to, to survive the motion to dismiss and, and the hearing you're describing where the judge said that he thought our allegations were well-researched and yep. until further notice had to assume they are true, is that we're taking a product liability approach. If you're above a certain number of users under California law, you are a product mm -hmm. and they have a faulty product. You know, killing your users is as faulty as it can be. And there's a failure to warn. There are two other cases that have broken through the First Amendment protections and Section 230C of the Communications Decency Act, one federal class action suit with Judge Gonzalez Rogers, and another one in California Superior Court down the hall from ours under Judge Cool. And all three of the cases alleged the same thing, which is that they have addicted children to the platform mm -hmm. and they are responsible for any harm that comes from that. Now, 41 attorneys general have also just sued Meta under the same premise. Right. So we're having a shift uh, in the legal community. And our particular cases has broken through on 12 allegations to go to trial with full discovery. And it's sort of the broadest playing field of discovery that anyone's ever had against a major social media company. And, uh, we're putting up a good fight. You are. Over 200 school districts in the U.S. are also suing the big tech companies for their increase in resources that they're having to provide to children for the mental health issues that are being caused from their platforms, their faulty platforms. And I do believe that even though we're fighting for Sammy's Law, it's the mm -hmm. court case that's going to make them change. You know, once one parent breaks through, here come a 100,000 other parents who have similar causes of action 
and they're going to get swamped. And they're not going to want to show up in court and not say to the judge, we fixed the problem, Your Honor. You know, they're going to have to fix it that day. That's why we're suing. You know, you have to sue for money in U.S. court. But the real reason we're suing is to try and get them to make the platform safe for kids. Do you think that it's possible at this point to fix the platform or do you think it just needs to go away with Snapchat specifically? Well, so we have a fix. That's what Sammy's law is, right? There's Okay, tell me about that more. Yeah, tell me. There's third-party safety software out there that alerts parents when something dangerous or illegal happens on their kids' devices. Mm-hmm. And the platforms with children on it do not allow for integration of that third-party safety software. Sammy's law simply requires that all platforms with children allow for third-party safety software integration. There are 14 different companies out there that do it, and parents will have visibility into our kids' devices finally, and we can handle the sexting when it occurs. We can handle the suicide. We can handle the gun sales, the drug sales, all of those things, the drug emojis, They use AI to keep up on the latest, and they let parents know. And in cases of imminent harm, they even call the police and have done so over a thousand times. So Mm. this one stroke uh, allows the platforms, they can keep dealing drugs to adults and doing adult behavior all they want, and they can let parents who care to parent their kids again and get in the way of some of these dangerous activities online. Okay. One stroke, we we solve all the problems. That's why we're pushing for it. It's it's House Resolution five seven seven eight, and if you go to sammyslaw.org, you can read all about the law and okay voice your support. Okay, thank you, Sam. So, is big tech lobbying against Sammy's law? Not yet, not yet. Okay, but um, I did I did ask uh, Evan Spiegel to allow for parent monitoring software, and I know he's against it because he said no on the grounds of data privacy. See, they sell our kids' data to advertisers for more targeted advertising, more effective advertising, if you will. And they didn't want that data Mm -hmm. to cycle through another company, and then they could use it. So Sammy's Law prevents them from retaining that data. It's only used for safety, and then it has to be discarded. It also takes care of the concern that LGBTQ kids will be outed that's not part of the search terms. So we've watched some of the pitfalls that have happened with COSA and baked them into the yeah. Sammy's law. And we're just hopeful. We're, we're hopeful that COSA passes. If it doesn't, we're hopeful that a more narrow approach like Sammy's law might be substituted in there. Um, we'll see. So we're focusing on Snapchat here, but I'm sure you've learned about dangers on all the different social media platforms. Is there certain platforms that you would consider most dangerous if parents are, you know, my kids are eight and under, they're they're not on social media yet. Are there ones I should just keep them off of entirely until they're made more safe? That's where some of these third-party software companies come in, like Bark. Um, they have a safe phone. So I, I would start with that if I, if I had a younger teen and you want them to have a phone, they can contact you after school, get the Bark phone, and mm-hmm. uh, they don't have the social media platforms. But Snapchat's where a lot of the dirty stuff is happening. I think that was what I would worry about most. But the instant messaging services of Facebook and Instagram are also an issue. 
You have TikTok, which is more of a cultural indoctrination than a drug deal per se or a suicide baiting. There are all kinds of unhealthy things happening. People are watching other people with Tourette's and they watch it so often that they come down with like this sympathetic Tourette's. Yeah. It's, uh, you yeah, know. called TikTok Tick. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I like that. Mm -hmm. I would say that there are a lot of problems and the gaming platforms are not to be ignored. You know, that that's where the grooming is easiest. Yeah. Your kids are playing with someone they can't see. They're just another emoji, just like on Snap. But unlike Snap, they're, they're gaming together. They're buddies. They're in the cockpit together. You know, they, they may hang out for two months together before the the pedophile sets the hook, you know, uh, so right. we need the third-party safety software on the gaming platforms like Discord as well. And Discord does not allow for integration. Mm -hmm. The suicide baiting is happening a ton on Discord and the gaming chats as well. I've, I'm doing an investigative piece right now on gaming chats, and there is a rise in actual suicides happening due to suicide baiting within the gaming chats. And so I interviewed a bunch of gamers and they're telling me that they hear, go kill yourself every single time that they play. And just the toxic culture within those chats is really difficult for some of these kids to handle who may already be in a, a tough mental state. So platforms with anonymity are more toxic, right? It brings out the troll and everybody. And um, right. you just want to watch out when you combine that with aggressive gameplay, you're really bringing out the worst, especially in young men. A hundred percent. So you said before that you didn't know that Snapchat had harms and danger within it. It seems to be hard to crack through with these messages and get to just the general parent population. So why do you think more parents aren't aware of the harms that exist on social media? Well, because Snapchat is designed in this cute little wrapper. It looks like a cartoon land. Right. right. So when we heard about it and the disappearing snaps, what we thought we had to worry about was like nudie pics. And we spoke to our kids about that. Don't put anything out there that, you know, you'll want back one day. Right. Mm -hmm. We had no idea that adults were on there. That's the part we didn't realize that there were criminals on there, that they were selling counterfeit drugs and guns and turning girls out into into prostitutes through sextortion and all of the things that are happening and when you hear the history of the platform it makes sense mm -hmm. you know it was a, a a few college boys who sent off a, a, their own nudie pic to someone and wished he could have it back and boom the million ide dollar idea was born and it was called peekaboo right and it was basically a sex thing app. yep yep and then they realized that they had mostly teens on their sexting app and renamed it Snapchat. And here we are, folks. Your kids are playing on a sexting app. And, you know, we had no idea. That's what rebranding does. Mm -hmm. There are dangers on all of the different platforms. But because 75% of our kids are on Snapchat uh, and the snaps disappear, everyone sort of operates with impunity there. It, it, it's, it's become the dark web for children. You're right on when you call you know, Snapchat's in this cute little wrapper. And I'm sure you saw Snapchat's new ad campaign, uh, less social media, more Snapchat. So what do, you, what do you think about this new ad campaign that they put out? Well, I don't know if you saw the ad campaign that uh, was put out to mock it. Yes. Yeah. A lot of us parents, myself and my son included, are part of that. And 
I think it's gaslighting. I think that, you know, it's one of those don't believe your lying eyes, uh, believe what we say moments. The idea that they don't want to be considered social media, I get why. And the idea that they think they can change the way we think like that is cynical. I agree. And it's just such an obvious and blatant PR stunt to try to negate all of this bad PR and the lawsuits in the federal investigation. It's all they have. All they are is communication and PR. They don't even make money. Mm -hmm. You know, the only money Snap Inc. has ever made is on interest income from money they raised on Wall Street. Zero operating income the entire time Spiegel's been running this business. I don't know how they have a stock price that's up there. I sort of laugh. Their stock price got whacked by one third last night. I saw that. They are worried about their ad revenue. They cut 10% of their workforce globally as well, I think this week. I mean, they had to find the money somehow to advertise at the Grammys and the Super Bowl. Yeah, and change opinion. Right, right. Don't be fooled, folks. Don't be fooled. It's a social media platform where your kids think they can do anything they want. And until further notice, they are. Mm-hmm. You have one other son or, or two? Two other boys, Jackson and Ethan. How do they feel about Snapchat? Uh, well, one is 18 and the other's 27. Okay. So I don't think the 27-year-old's doing that anymore, but the 18-year-old is. But the older they get, the less they do that sort of thing. And they migrate over to other platforms as they get older. But, um, you know, the other two boys are scared to death of drugs and have learned the lesson of their brother's death and are leading different lives that would not put them at risk like he was. Right. Amy Neville, I asked her what percentage of, you know, illegal drugs that kids are purchasing like this have fentanyl in them. And she said 100%. Yeah, well, that's not the only problem. 75% of the drugs that the DEA picked up that were fentanyl had xylazine in it, which is also known as Trank, which is a horse tranquilizer and is necrotic. And there is no cure. There is no Narcan for it. And people are showing up in the ER with patches of dead skin and amputations are the only cure and our drug supply is truly being poisoned. And the addictiveness, too. I think that Amy Neville's, Alexander Neville, had only been trying it for less than a week, and he was feeling very addicted to what he thought was oxy. That's right. Immediately addictive. Stronger than heroin, immediately addictive. And the head of the DEA says that fentanyl is the cheapest, deadliest, easiest to hide mm. substance that they've ever encountered. And so that makes that makes this crisis um, bigger. It's also the most profitable, and the uh, uh, Japitos are making billions and billions of dollars, which are flowing over the Mexican government and keeping this whole thing going. On the other side of the border, entering the United States, there are nine ports of entry, nine crossings, that are legal, if you will, and the cartels control five of the nine. There are only four crossings you can come through where you don't have to pay a cartel person to get through. Wow. We have truly lost control of that section of our country. And 
they're having a big fight about it now in Congress and in the White House, and I hope they come up with some solutions because we need to stop the flow of fentanyl. Most of it comes over the southern border, mm-hmm. and even the one, some's coming over from uh, uh, migrants, some's coming over from even Americans who are doing this, but one of the reasons is because the uh, agents at the border are making sandwiches and processing migrants. They're not interdicting drugs the way they should be or stopping mm-hmm. the flow the way they used to be. So um, the whole thing is just wide open and we're up over 10 million new folks into this country uh, that we don't we're truly know who they are. And so parents with you know here in the U.S. with children, what do we need to be telling our kids about this issue? Well, there are a couple of things. The first is no drugs that aren't in a bottle with your name on it from your doctor. It's that simple. And in foreign countries like Mexico, you can't even get over the counter drugs. If you're going on vacation down south, you have to bring your own medicines. Uh, ibuprofen in, in, in some cases in Mexico has, has fentanyl in it. So, And then the other thing for parents is until they do allow for safety software integration, you want to get the passwords and usernames of all of your kids' devices and the platforms they're on so that you can check in an emergency or if you've got a problem child so that you can check every once in a while or all day, you know, whatever you have to do. Yep. Let your representatives know that if Sammy's Law is put in place, then parents can parent again. And it's so simple and it's all about money. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how these um, CEOs that we saw at that hearing could possibly sleep at night knowing that they are accessory to murder every day. And I loved watching Mark Zuckerberg get chased out of there like a criminal by the Fox News lady, Aisha Husney. She's screaming, Mark. What about the dead kids? Do you take any responsibility for all the dead children, Mark? And he dives into his uh, SUV. So he enters the room with like 70 parents. We're holding up the pictures of our children. It was like a funeral in there. You could hear a pin drop. That's what they all walked into. And then he gets chased out of there like like a crook. And so um, that made me feel better. Yeah. That that helped a little bit to see that they can feel society has had enough. Yeah, and I think more more people are seeing it and I think often how do they sleep at night? How do they they have children that they're not letting on social media, that they're not giving iPads to when they're 2 years old. Like they're restricting their own products from their children yet providing them to our children to become uh, customers or users. It's just all wrong, right? Thank you for everything that you're working on. So we talked about Sammy's Law, and you can go to sammyslaw.org. You are involved in the lawsuit against Snapchat. Are you un- underneath? It's Neville at all versus Snap. Are you, you're one of those families? That's right. That's right. I'm, I am uh, an Amy Neville disciple. Mm-hmm. Right. She's amazing. Yeah, I think of her as sort of the leader of our movement and just this tireless person who, whose advocacy I emulate. We're also making a movie about what we are up to and the struggle. Yes. And integrated with the Rolling Stone investigative reporter who's looking into Snapchat and going to come out with a big expose in a couple of months. So that's called the Vanish Mode. We just want to put together 
a high quality film that'll get seen by as many people as possible on a big platform so that more parents know to watch out because so far yeah it's only been the parents that have been able to do anything about this and we get out there into the schools and we speak to law enforcement and we go on tv and speak to our lawmakers but it's just warning other families has been the only thing that we've all been able to accomplish along with people like yourself in the media who have given us a voice because um, I do believe the conversation has been elevated effectively by the parents mostly. And hopefully we'll get to the point where either the social media companies feel the heat and change or the lawmakers make a change. Yeah. I'm happy to support this message. I think there's more media too. I, so is Bloomberg doing a documentary on the on the Neville case as well? I, they were in uh, person at the hearing that I went to. That's right. I did see them there. Okay. I saw another documentary film crew in our courtroom. So there are three working the case because it's like a civil rights case. You know, there is a right to life. It's one of the one of the main rights, right? And that's what's at stake in this fight. Yeah. And no one has been able to fight through the bulwark of the First Amendment and Section 230C to make these companies protect our families. And we're just cracking through. It's fascinating to watch these attorneys, you know, in their fancy suits come in there and try to argue nonsense and lies. Take no responsibility for what their companies yeah. are doing, you know. And that's why I love being in this market and doing media because I think that the people who work at Snap Inc. must see some of this and question what they're doing for a living. Or mm -hmm. hopefully some of them are saying, are there ways I can make changes at work that will save some more kids? Or, I mean, they have this quick ad feature that allows anybody who someone else knows, a guy you know who knows somebody, can connect to you, right? Right. And then they have Snap Back. Snap maps are a geolocator device. So you combine those two, and the drug dealer can see which park the kids are in. Kids can see where the drug dealers are. The bad kids can see where each other are. And the whole thing is incredibly dangerous. I don't think parents know that this whole geolocator thing is part of it. And I think the kids don't really share that too much because they love it, right? Right. They can see clusters of friends and know what to do. And there's a a really fun part of all of that. I I, I get that, you know, but um, there are lots of things that are fun that are risky as kids that parents don't let them do. And this would be one of them if more parents knew about it. Mm-hmm. On the AI chatbot that they rolled out last year, Snapchat has admitted that it's putting out harmful content and misinformation to children. And they didn't remove it. They just made it so you can uh, put an age bracket on it or an age limit on it within the family center. But then the children can just leave the family center on their own. The functionality of Snapchat in itself, there's more harmful things about it than there are beneficial. True. And the thing that gets me is that they keep making these moves that sound good, but have zero effect. Mm -hmm. um, they did a bunch of them right before the hearing. Uh, so you couldn't contact anybody who was under 16 if you weren't connected beforehand. Oh. They're protecting the 15-year-olds and under. No, that added one button to push to the tasks of connecting with those kids. Yeah. It didn't change a thing. And, you know, shame on them. It's so cynical. It's like their ad, you know. 
There's only so long that you can gaslight America before we're all going to find out. Right. The PR firms were working overtime, all of them, that week leading up to the hearing. It was embarrassing. And the lobby firms, too. Big tech, you've all known about these harms, and you continue to stand behind your platform. It would be great to see a Snapchat whistleblower at some point. We haven't really, I mean, Meta has a couple, but they're pretty tight-lipped over there. They're all asked to sign non-disclosure agreements. So it's only the very first original employees at Snap who didn't have to sign those agreements. That's why you're not Mm -hmm. hearing what's going on. And ask yourself why, you know, what's so top secret about a cartoon app? that everyone has to sign NDAs. Right. Something bad's happening over there. A lot bad is (laughs) happening over there. Okay, Sam, we didn't talk a lot about Sammy yet. I wonder if you could tell me before we end uh, a favorite memory you have of Sammy. Well, I used to go to his football games, Mm -hmm. which was a lot of fun because you could yell and scream and if he did something big, you know, he was all excited about it. And then I would drive him home and I'd get the whole debrief on the way home and Mm -hmm. um it was just uh you know fun one-on-one time uh driving him to and from football games and football practice and watching him get stronger and head towards becoming a man you know which he never he never got to become and uh Mm -hmm. you know the main thing the main message is uh don't think it can't happen to you You'd be amazed at the other parents to whom this has happened and how normal and like you, whoever you are out there, they are because this is happening to all kinds of people. You know, it's not like cocaine was, right? Very expensive. Mm-hmm. This is small and cheap and deadly. And all the way up and down society, people are getting poisoned with it. So we all have it in common. And if you're, if you got teens in your house, then you need to go out and get Narcan because, uh, or Luxado, uh, or some naloxone because that remedy can save lives while you call 911 and wait for the EMTs to come. If something happens and there's an opioid overdose and you do use Narcan or one of the other remedies, you know, you still need to go to the hospital Mm -hmm. because it can wear off. You need to get the person in an ambulance because the ambulance will have more Narcan if it's needed and know when it needs to be given. So it's, it's not a panacea. It's the beginning of saving a life. And then you need professionals to take over. Okay. And do you get that from just a pharmacy, Narcan? Well, nicely, yes, it's over the counter now. So Narcan is over the counter. Okay. And uh, if you don't see it right away, just ask for it. It's not at the pharmacy anymore only. It's available uh, next to the antiperspirant. Okay. Maybe they'll start adding it to first aid kits. Well, you know, and um, on airplanes and auditoriums and rock concerts, you know, anywhere where there are a lot of people or you might have an EpiPen or a defibrillator. Mm-hmm. Fentanyl poisoning is the leading cause of death in the United States for adults 18 to 45. So you can't be too careful. These remedies are available. They're relative to losing a life. They're cheap. And um, especially places where people are congregating, whoever's in charge of those places, school nurses, camps, mm-hmm. all ought to have some Narcan Andy. You speaking out about this is definitely saving lives. 
because having Narcan in my home was never anything I would have thought of. And parents that are listening, you listed some really useful steps we can take to be prepared for when a harm is not just the fentanyl harms, but all of these harms that our kids will get access to through social media. We need to be diligent. And I am extremely hopeful that Sammy's Law will pass so we have one easy spot to be able to manage monitoring our children's use of their devices. You know, you got to be good and you've got to be lucky too. We were unlucky. And if this happens to you, you know, try not to blame yourself. You just go on living for the others and uh, hopefully find some purpose like we have. We're trying to make sense of Sammy's death by warning other parents and hoping they don't have to go through what we did. Sam, thank you again for sharing your story with listeners of Scrolling to Death. I believe so strongly that parents everywhere need to hear these stories. It's going to be the first step, I think, in shifting our thinking to be more protective and more proactive rather than having to be reactive when online harms reach our child. So thank you everyone for listening. And again, Sam, thank you for being here today. 